0: a data breach like no other, and the promise of a new anti-ransomware tool. These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We've been hearing a lot in recent days about the Shadow Brokers. It's a mysterious group that claims it's behind the release of spying code that some believe emanates from the U.S. Super Electronic Intelligence Organization, the National Security Agency. And suggestions have surfaced that Russian intelligence could be linked to shadow brokers. To decipher all of the elements in this intriguing saga, let's turn to ISMG Security and Technology Managing Editor, Jeremy Kirk.
1: What do the names Epic Banana, Wadley Llama, and Extra Bacon have in common? They're all code names for various flavors of spying tools that were publicly released this past week on the internet. It's a data breach like no other that is fascinating security experts. The spying tools are believed to have come from the Equation Group, a sophisticated cyber espionage unit suspected to actually be the U.S. National Security Agency. Elements of the data released have a strong resemblance to the operations and methods that were detailed in the secret documents leaked by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden. So, who released the files? It's a group calling itself the Shadow Brokers. The name comes from the Xbox game Mass Effect and refers to people who trade information. The group is auctioning a second batch of files to the highest bidder or says it will release them if it receives one million bitcoins. Coming so soon after the Democratic Party hacks, the data breach has led to speculation that Russia may be involved, engaging in an unprecedented tit-for-tat with U.S. intelligence agencies. Experts say there are other possibilities. It's unlikely that the NSA has been directly hacked. But it is possible that the agency accidentally left its hacking tools on a server somewhere in the world, and that server was hacked. Snowden himself has backed that theory. A competing idea is that there is someone who is either in the NSA or formerly worked there who stole the files. Screenshots of the stolen data posted online are in a format that wouldn't have been used on a so-called staging server, or a proxy computer that the NSA uses to launch offensive cyber attacks. While experts say much of the code is a bit sloppy, some potent elements have been uncovered. Cisco acknowledged that the leak contains exploit code for zero-day vulnerability and its adaptive security appliance firewalls. Fortinet, another vendor whose name appears in the leaks, has also advised of the software vulnerability in its products. If the equation group is indeed the NSA, the findings are riveting. The U.S. is supposed to share information on software vulnerabilities it finds in vendors' products. There is a big caveat, though, which allows intelligence agencies to keep vulnerabilities secret for compelling national security reasons. The Equation Group files, however, date between 2010 and 2013. It means the U.S. government might have known about the Cisco and Fortinet flaws for a long time. That's an even more worrying development if the shadow brokers are affiliated with Russia. It means the Russians have long known about the flaws too and could have used them offensively against others. But as firewall vendors analyze and patch their products, it looks like we won't have to worry about Epic Banana or Extra Bacon anymore. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk.
0: In what seems to be a never-ending battle to mitigate ransomware, there is a new tool that promises victims that they can decrypt files without paying ransom. To discuss this new tool and other ransomware developments is Data Breach Today executive editor, Matt Schwartz. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. What's this new tool and how does it work?
2: This new tool is a decryptor for people who have been infected with server ransomware. It's not the first decryption tool. There have been others that have come out in the past but it is the most recently released tool designed to undo the effects of so-called crypto locking ransomware, which will forcibly encrypt files and then display a message demanding that a user pay a ransom in Bitcoins if they want to receive a decryption software package in return.
0: And who put out this tool?
2: The new tool comes via Checkpoint, a security firm, and it's free as all other previous decryption tools have been. In the past, some decryption tools have resulted from Developers making mistakes and security experts being able to take advantage of those mistakes to write decryption programs. In this case, it looks like checkpoint got access to a command and control server that was provided by Cerber, And I'm reading between the lines, but it looks like they were able to get their hands on some of the actual code, figure out how the encryption was being done, and then create a tool that undoes the encryption for victims.
0: The ransomware this is directed to is known as Cerber. That's correct. Who are its victims? the
2: typical victim profile tends to be healthcare organizations banks recently telecommunications manufacturing aerospace and defense government agencies have all factored into the list of top organizations that have been targeted and people inside those organizations as well and consumers
0: malware creators aren't necessarily a dumb group they they see what the tools are out there to try to mitigate it what does that mean to the life of a, a tool such as the one that checkpoint put out
2: Well, that's a great question. A lot of attackers are reportedly deserting banking Trojans and embracing ransomware instead. It seems to be a cheaper, easier way to get more money. In the course of embracing ransomware, what you see are developers producing new versions of their ransomware at a regular pace. There was a decryption tool put out by Trend Micro in July. Not long after, the server developer released an update that encrypted files in a way that the tool could no longer decrypt. I expect that we will very shortly see a similar update designed to put the checkpoint tool out of commission.
0: And then we'll see another tool come out that will address those concerns and then back and forth.
2: Like so much in the security field, it's a perpetual cat and mouse game.
0: How else are security vendors responding to the ransomware threat?
2: Well, we've seen a consortium of law enforcement agencies and a couple of security firms get together and create a portal called No More Ransom that is designed to centralize where ransomware victims can go to see if there are any tools or other assistance or guidance that will help them get their data back without having to pay a ransom. But as with all ransomware, always, the best thing to do is to try to avoid getting infected in the first place. And on that front, you need to be keeping backups so that if you do get infected, you can wipe the system and restore your data. But can't backups get infected too? That is a risk. Yes, you need to be especially careful that you're storing backups offline, preferably in multiple locations, so that if you do end up accidentally backing up forcibly encrypted files, you have a slightly older backup that's still good that hasn't yet been encrypted. It is a difficult situation, to be sure. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio
0: ismg your number one source for information security news the pci security standards council marks its 10th anniversary this year and in recognition of that anniversary editors at ismg over the past few weeks have reviewed the state of pci compliance tracy kitten is executive editor of bank info security and has reported more than any other ismg editor about pci compliance she joins me to share some of her thoughts welcome tracy thanks eric For the uninitiated, what is the PCI Security Standards Council?
3: The PCI Security Standards Council, which actually stands for the Payment Card Industry Security Standards Council, oversees payment card security standards. It's not a regulatory body. It's not an enforcement agency. It's
0: a council that puts
3: together standards for payment card security.
0: In your review, what stands out the most?
3: When you take a step back and you look at how far we've come in the last 10 years, I think we all are very critical of payment card security because we see all the breaches, you know, Target uh, being one of them, Home Depot, the list goes on and on. But when you take a step back and you get some perspective and you look at where we were 10 years ago, you realize how much farther we have come. 10 years ago, we weren't doing anything to protect cardholder data. There was data in the clear. There were full card numbers that hackers could, could access with each just by penetrating a firewall. And today, because of standards put out by the PCI Security Standards Council, Council, we don't see those types of breaches.
0: What did you learn from your talks with industry experts?
3: PCI might not be perfect, but it definitely has dramatically improved card security, whether you're in North America, South America, or somewhere in the Middle East.
0: What can we expect in the next 10 years?
3: Well, in the next 10 years, I think we can expect to see PCI security standards evolve as we make the move toward more dynamic card data. We may not have cards in the future. 10 years from now, we may just be using mobile devices to make purchases. And if we don't have card numbers anymore, then we might not necessarily have the need to comply with a card security standard. But I think that the PCI Security Standards Council will evolve and come out with different standards that are applicable. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you, Eric.
0: Finally, a pullback from two-factor authentication. To comply with the presidential executive order, the U.S. Social Security Administration on July 30th began to require My Social Security account holders to sign into their accounts using their passwords and one-time code sent via text message. A Social Security Administration spokesman says it implemented the two-factor authentication process aggressively and doing so inconvenienced or restricted access to some account holders. Shortly after implementing the two-factor authentication process, Social Security rolled it back. The agency says it's developing an alternative authentication option in addition to text messaging that it'll implement within the next six months. Social Security says it strives to balance security and customer service and wants to ensure that its online services are easy to use and secure. Don't we all? That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chavro. Catch you next time.